and welcome to the Your Good News podcast with me, Catherine Getty. It's easy to believe the news around us that the world is dark and the future is the same. But what if we chose something different? What if we chose to find the good news in each day? This podcast is a collection of interviews with friends, mentors, colleagues on their good news. From business to health to politics and everything in between, it's my hope that you leave with a boost and find your good news. You are in for a real treat today as I am joined by a new friend. I'm going to call her a new friend, Jamie Chris. We were connected by a previous guest and dear friend, Lindsay Thomas. In learning more about Jamie's story, I knew she'd be a perfect guest. She's someone who seeks to break down barriers for herself and for others. In this episode, we discuss how sports played an instrumental role in her life and how listening to her gut led her along the way. We also discuss how sharing your story can be a powerful way to let others and yourself know you're not alone. I could keep raving about this episode, but I think I better just let the interview speak for itself. Now, my episode with the incomparable Jamie Christ. You know, Jamie, I am so excited for this episode. You know, we were connected through our mutual friend, Lindsay Thomas, and she raved just about the light that you have. And I've been like checking on your Instagram, getting to know you more through that. You were, I said this before we started recording, you're so open, brave, you're honest. And I am so looking forward to this conversation and hearing your good news. So I begin every episode the same way. I like to ask my guests, what's your good news? Welcome, Jamie. Thanks. It's so good to be here with you, Catherine. And I just, I appreciate it. Like what you're trying to do is just spread positivity. And I think the world needs it more than ever. We're about to be in another mass mandate. And it's just like, you could just tell people's faces. So thank you for having me. Thank you for your mission and what you're doing. My good news, uh, just to kick it off here. I just found out I got best of Baltimore wellness influencer I had no idea it was happening and it was a really cool moment. I, uh, June was very physically and mentally a very hard month for me. We went through a fourth loss, you know, of, of, of a pregnancy. And I literally came back from the beach for the day, came home from the hospital and then got it like this kind of cryptic email. It was like, hi, we would like to send you the best of Baltimore magazine you won in the category of features female best uh, wellness influencer. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, was I nominated? Like, what? <laughs> what you're so, like, this happen? Yeah, I had no idea. I was like, I know I've been gone from Baltimore for like hot four weeks, but like, what, what do you mean? So basically they wrote a really... I, I had no idea. I, at that point, I didn't even know what they wrote. Like, I'm like, I don't even know what this means. So then I got the magazine and they wrote in there about, um, I was a, you know, rough instructor, how I really embrace, you know, just truth and real and rawness, you know, and talking through our fertility journey and, you know, how it's empowered others to, to still have sharing is, is best and to really help you know, sharing our story to help others. And so when I read that, I was like, wow, like, I mean, coming off our fourth loss, like I, like I said, it was a really tough month and transition coming back home. And I just, you know, and, and seeing those heartfelt words and just how honest they were, it was awesome. And it just made me feel good that like, yes, what I'm going through right now is very hard, but at the same time, like I share because I don't want people to feel alone. Um, I share because it is important as women, like 
you know, I, I joke around about this all the time. Like, remember I was like high school. They're like, if, even if you look at a penis, you'll get pregnant. <laughs> I, I, I believe that all the time. Yeah. I was... <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you got to know what's going on. Well, and I think that talked in a couple other episodes, like feeling not alone, like we came up in this world and it was kind of like, I don't know if you felt this way, but I was like, understanding my body or understanding anything about how anything worked was like off limits, which sounds the antithesis of what it should be. So to be in a place where you feel so comfortable to be honest, it's like, oh, I have felt that way. And like, I'm not different from feeling that way or I'm in this spot and I can, I can empathize with you. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. And I'll include, is there like a link to the best in Baltimore? I'll yeah, to... I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be in the show notes that you can get to read a little bit more about Jamie, but we're going to, we're going to dive in. So thank you for sharing your good news. I'm so excited. I got to see, I'm pretty sure now my cat is joining the podcast. Nancy is back guys. She's back. She hasn't been here since episode one. Okay. It's oh fine. It's so <laughs> this is real. We are real. So just the kind of level set fitness is weaved throughout your story. And you started as an athlete at a very young age. Can you share more on how you got started, how you realized that this was a passion for you? Well, yeah. You know, I, so when I was, oh my God, like five years old at the time, my dad just passed away. I mean, I was so young. I didn't really fully understand what was going on. My mom at the time, you know, she was an alcoholic, couldn't take care of herself, let alone me. We were living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so my aunt who lived in Delaware, who is now my um, legal guardian, and she's been, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have two moms. My aunt brought me into Delaware to live with her and her son. She just had her newborn son. And I don't, I don't know how I got into sports, but magically I got into T-ball and then okay. like, grew up in softball and softball. I was always a hyperactive child. I still yeah. am, but I'm an adult. Now, <laughs> um, you know, I just always had so much energy. And I think when I look back as a kid, then, you know, luckily I had sport because I think if I would have recognized what's happening personally in my family, like that energy could have gone somewhere worse and just not in a good way where sport allowed me to have another, like, I felt like I had another family. I had, I yeah. had a community and it was a distraction of like what serious things were happening at home. And so, I mean, I was always active outside. I was playing, like I said, softball. And then I got into field hockey. We had travel softball. I did uh, cheerleading, indoor track. Like I said, I just always had so much energy that yeah. I had to like burn it off and just never sat still. So it just, you know, I loved about the concept of a team. I grew up in a very small town in Smyrna, Delaware, and it just the the community there within sport was just so a big part of my life. The people I grew up with, like we had a very tight knit group and, you know, they like, people were family to me there. You know, I yeah. had a very small family in Smyrna. So like, just to think like the extension of the network and the people that I had, like that always was like dear to my heart. And it always allowed me to be an outlet. Like it just always made me feel good in my body mentally and physically. And it's, it sounds like you're, you're referencing the team and the community and how that team really provided another way for you to kind of be yourself. And like, got you kind of got to explore yourself as a child, like being with that community and realizing that community was really important to you. And I know that that continues to be really important to you. You played college athletics 
So can you tell me more about kind of how that you transitioned from a high schooler to college, what that was that transition like playing college sports? <laughs> well, of course, like my story is always like it, there, it's never like a formal, like, oh, I, I, tra- I moved here and then this happened. Like I, so I went to Lebanon Valley, which is like a small private liberal arts school in by Hershey, Pennsylvania. I'm going to say Anvil and people are going to be like, where is that? Everybody knows where I think most people know where Hershey, Pennsylvania is if you live on the East coast, but you know, I, it was a small school. I met some amazing people there. It's still like People who I'm like my best friend to this day is, you know, from meeting her there. We played, I played field hockey there and I realized that I didn't want to be at a small school. It was just too tiny for me in my, my, like my hometown. And I was like, I can't deal with this. (laughs) So I was like, I need to get out a little bit more. So I actually originally wanted to play at Salisbury University. They were three-time national champions. Yeah. The program was really good. I actually almost went to school. I was focusing on physical therapy and Lemonon Valley at the time um, had a program that was like 30 people max. It was a doctorate program for six years. Typically doctorate programs for PTs are seven years. So oh. I was like, oh, I'll just go there for six years. I'll be in PT school. I got on the waiting list. I was like number 31. They called me the day before school started. And they're like, hey, do you want to join the PT program? And at this point, I was like, I'll just do business. Like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I don't really know where I want to go. And so, you know, starting field hockey camp was awful. Like, we did this thing called the gauntlet, which was like, you, you run it a sound <laughs> Yeah. You run miles. a mile. Uh, just oh. a timed time. Oh. So, and you had to like hit a certain time. And so then you turn around back around, you had to run a half a mile, a quarter mile. And then it was like 10 40s. Like, I just remember, like, I felt like death afterward. And this, this was like your opening session to like college field hockey. So I, I was D three, like, so I can't imagine what D one was like. And then you had two days, two or three days of practices for three, four days. And then actually I was fortunate enough. We went to London to compete right before school started. So let alone like packing up and moving. I think I, when I was living in Dewey beach, then like, which was a disaster. Like I was like, why would I go to the <laughs> beach before doing this? And then training for field hockey, we went to the UK, came back and then started classes. And so like, it was just, I remember just like That's a transition. Like, yeah. Oh my God. And it was like, I was never like a homesick child, but I remember it was like, what is happening right now? And like, this is a lot. So anyway, so transferred a year later, went down to Salisbury. I actually got in a car accident that summer. So I couldn't play that fall season. So then I trained with the team that winter walked on that season of my junior year. So I didn't get to play my sophomore year. Yeah. And it was really the first time I didn't have athletics in my life. And that was just like, it was not good. Like I, could I was going to ask like, you. Yeah. Drinking was like, you know, I was partying all the time. And like I said, I have a lot of energy. So now I see why, like <laughs> I needed to be like active and then, yeah, I, I ended up going to staying at Salisbury until I graduated. I continued within marketing. I sticked uh, with marketing and business. Um, and then I interned with the Baltimore Ravens. So that really kickstarted like into my career randomly. Yeah. I just wanted to be in sport and, and continue with it. That is, it sounds like, and for me, workout has always been a therapy. So I was wondering like in that sophomore year, how that felt. And it's nice that you had that chance to come back, play again, pursue kind of having athletics, but also pursue something else like marketing. You seem like you've got so many great ideas. Did you find like marketing was a really good fit for you during that time? And even continuing now, I mean, 
Yeah. Not not to give away the rest of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, you know, when I look back, because I was so heart set on being a PT, like I wanted to own my own PT business, the whole bit. And now where I look where I am today and I'm like, oh yeah, like my journey is that supposed to happen. And, And with marketing, I just loved, my passion was more on the event side, like being out and about with people and like creating experiences. I was always loved, my aunt would kill me, but like, I always <laughs> loved having parties at her house. Even in high school, I loved like entertaining people. I have always loved having people over. So like now I think when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's why I love doing events and marketing yeah. events was like a big thing. So yeah. So when I got an internship with the Ravens at that time, I get to experience their training camp, which is a big event experience and days. And like, I knew that I was like, I need to figure out how to stay in this industry because like, I'm, this is, this is my call. Like, this is it. Like, you know, so that's kind of how it came about yeah. within marketing. Yeah. And from that Ravens experience, is that when you transitioned into an Under Armour role at that point? So Under Armour wasn't really big then. So this was in 2007. So Under Armour was just like, they started in 1996. They went public in 2006. So just a year later, so I'm at, this is 2007. So I'm really like, I feel like I'm aging myself right now. So I, um, (laughs) I, when I started interning for the Ravens, the Ravens were literally right down the street from Under Armour's campus. And so I would see more of the brand in Baltimore. We wore the court cold gear mocks for field hockey a lot or softball. And I, I'm sure everybody remember it was like their Under Armour. That's what they, they're like, oh yeah, my Under Armour. And it was like literally their turtleneck that kept them warm, you know, throughout games. And so we were kind of familiar with the product, but then when I would come to Baltimore, like I would just see these big billboards about Under Armour when you come on 95 and then you saw the campus. Yeah. And like, this is cool. And I, when I started reading more about the company, I was like, oh my God, this is where I, I need to apply here. I need to, to be part of this company. What and was so really drawing you? Was it like the mission or was it the, the fact that it was like really, really in Baltimore? What was it that drew you to the company? So, yeah, I mean, it was when you got on the website, you got to know more about the brand. It was like team sports the culture we talked about being part of a team. It was like, you know, people are like, you need a quarterback. You, you know, it was just like my type of terms that I could relate yeah. to and just seeing what they were doing in the market of just growing this brand. Like, I mean, when we grew up, Nike was, Nike was like the only brand. I, mean, I know. <laughs> a bit. So like to think like, oh my God, I could actually work for a sports brand that's on the East coast. And I don't have to move to Oregon to work for Nike. Like, yeah. a little alone, like I didn't, I, growing up, I had zero connections. My family didn't know a single person. So I was like, there's no way that I'm going to get to the West Coast and work for this big brand. So Under Armour was like the East Coast kids, you know, to have a chance to work for yeah. a brand like this, you know, which was cool. It's such a cool experience. And you were there for, remind me, how many years were you at Ar- yeah, Under Armour? Almost 13 years. It was like 12 to 13 years, pretty much. What was one of your favorite memories? I mean... Honestly, like the early days were the best. Um, yeah, it was the people. Honestly, it's it's the people. Like if I had to like memory wise, like it's just people. The people that I got to work with have are now my family, and I've met some of my best friends there, and we would just have the best time. But honestly, I think a moment for me was that I got invited to the, I think it was 2010 Miami Super Bowl. And I was like, just coming out of customer service, they needed help from an events perspective. I was just transitioning to this team and they're like, Hey, we need your help. Can you fly down to Miami like tomorrow? And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to the Super Bowl." I'm like, 
holy shit, like having that this, this moment calling my family, like, oh, like I'm going to go work. And it just flying into Miami and staying at the Eden Rock, if you've ever been, like, it was just like a surreal moment of just like, oh my God, how is this happening right now? Because this was just like a dream, you know? And I, mean, um, I would like, say like, that was my first moment. That was like pinching moment. You say, you said 2010, right? Yeah. I believe I that was the New Orleans Saints year. I'm a Saints fan. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Are you? I don't know if you're a Ravens fan, but I'm pretty sure that was the year the Saints won. Was that in Miami? Yeah. Yeah. I forget who. I, I don't even remember who played. I just remember <laughs> I was there. You're like, this is. Super Bowl. <laughs> that's fine. amazing. Yeah. So as you were there for 13 years, you kind of started looking. Were you looking for another opportunity? Did you feel like you're growing or? What called you super coffee? Oh yeah. I mean, I actually tried to quit before I did quit. You know, I, I don't sit still. And so like, I would have these moments where like, am I moving up fast enough? Am I getting, you know, the max of what yeah. I bring to the table? And so I really horrible boss. So I had nine different lives there. So I was in customer service and then I went to event management three, four years yeah. And then I switched to social media marketing, did that for a year, realized that I missed human interaction and then switched to sports marketing for my last six years there. So I actually, the year I was doing social media marketing, I just, I was, I was just a, not in a great place with my boss yeah. at the time. It was just weird. So I actually quit and tried to uh, join Vega Protein. Um, okay. for a regional sales rep and, and the VP of marketing times, like, you're not leaving. Like, we know what the problem is. You're not going. And I'm like, yeah. well, okay, well, would you like me to go then? Because I cannot do this anymore. Like it was yeah. just not a good place. So they were like, well, we actually want to bring you on sports marketing. And which was funny because a year before then I actually applied for a sports marketing role and I didn't get it. And when I look and same thing, like when I look back to my journey, I was like, okay, something not right now. And if yeah. I had gotten that job then for sports marketing, like the boss I would have had, the the setup would have been great. I probably would have left anyway. Where I actually, when I came to the sports marketing team, what I did enjoyed, like I entered into the run category, which is the first time ever that happened for the brand. I took the lead on it. I built the the category for the brand for sports marketing. It yeah. opened so many doors for me and like expanded my career at Under Armour for another six years. Like it just, it's just funny how it all worked out and, and the people I met along the way too. Same thing. Like I never imagined that without them in my life now. And so, um, so yeah, so that, so getting towards the end of leaving Under Armour, I, I think in the last two years, I was looking elsewhere, just knowing like, I felt like I was hitting my max at Under Armour. The company is completely different now. And I still love the brand and I hope the best for them. But I just knew like I would be part of a smaller brand again. I love the building phase of it and just growing with them and building culture. And so actually my former boss who was at Under Armour is now the CMO at Super Coffee. And I actually did some work with Super Coffee, but like when the brothers first started the company, it was, yeah. you know, they were right down the street. This was 2015. And they were like, Hey, can we bring Super Coffee to your running events for Under Armour? I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like, come on and set up a table. Like, sure. Yeah. And then here we are six years later, I'm working for them and you know, they're a massive growing beverage brand now that is just totally disrupting the market. And uh, I just feel really fortunate where I landed because it's just like the people are everything. And now I'm helping them with their partnership marketing for the brand. 
there's like so many nuggets that you just like drop that I'm like, I mean, it's, you continue just to be so open in your career. And it's like, you're listening to your gut along the way. And you're like, this isn't the right fit, but you're also open to the opportunities. I feel like that come along and make sure they align kind of with your personal goals. Like, I hope that people appreciate that and like hear it in their own lives of like, there's some times where it's like, maybe it's not the right time, but it's not the right time. It could be right time in a year or two years or three years. I think it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm writing this off completely. So that's a, an amazing nugget you just shared. And I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So, you know, what has been the biggest lesson that you've taken away as you've moved in the super coffee role? You started talking about building culture and kind of disrupting the market. What are the other things that you kind of take along the way that you're like, oh, this has been a really interesting thing that I've figured out? That's a great question. I would say just knowing that not everything's going to be perfect and to be patient. And I think, you know, especially our generation, yeah, it's <laughs> everything it's has not to perfect. be perfect. Yeah. And it's like it's not curated. <laughs> right. And you just have to be patient. And I mean, listen, I've gone through a lot of healing. I've done a lot of work on myself where I was definitely that perfectionist where like if it wasn't ready at the right time or where it wasn't perfect of what it should have been or overthinking it, overworking it. It's just like, sometimes you just need to give room to breathe and room where you don't have to speak or you don't have to jump on it and you don't have to be the first. And, you know, I think that's something I learned very much. So throughout Under Armour is, you know, some serious burnout of overworking Mm -hmm. and this perfectionist were to prove yourself. And I think just trusting, like I have proven myself and that's why they brought me here. And I have to trust in that, that I don't feel like I constantly have to prove myself anymore. Like if a company's bring you in and they interviewed you and they hired you, like they trust in you for some reason of doing that. So just trust in that, you know, and I think that's something, you know, it's hard because you, it's really hard. (laughs) You want to prove yourself to the team you're new and you just want to show everything that you can do. And I think, just being gentle to that journey in a sense of like, just, just the, the great moments will come and, and your expertise will shine through when it's th- those moments. I wish everyone could see my head. I was nodding furiously <laughs> through that because that, that was a lesson that, I mean, I think it is like so often it's, it's easy to get in that rat race of thinking that you have to constantly prove yourself versus just being in your own like space. And from that space, you can create a lot better. Like when you're mm-hmm. like forced, I feel like Sometimes I am like, if I feel forced, it's not going to be my best work product. So that's a, just drop in knowledge, Shane. Just drop in knowledge. <laughs> Good. I hope it helps. It's helped me along the way. Yeah. Lots um, of therapy. <laughs> same. My therapist is, is my best friend. You know, in your bio, you shared that knocking down barriers for other females was a passion, both personally and professionally. How has that shown up? I think, you know, so often... We talk about that, but how does it actualize for you? I think can be really some good lessons for people to hear. Yeah. So I would say professionally, I think as women kind of going to the point of like, we have to constantly prove ourselves and, you know, not putting us first or our health and our wellness. And so like, you know, I had major adrenal fatigue and burnout that my body, like I was having horrible night sweats in my mid twenties, late twenties. And I thought I was going through menopause, like, cause I was sweating that bad at night and it was 
do distress. And so, you know, I just felt like I constantly had to prove myself within the industry, especially of all men. Once again, when I got into the run industry, I would show up, I would be the youngest. And I was the only female sometimes from a brand perspective and meeting with wow. these agents who are all older men, you know, and just proving to say like, I do belong at the table and I know what I'm talking about. And showing that I may know how to talk to a female athlete very differently than you. And this is why, you know, so there, that's one aspect of it as a culture standpoint of, you know, representation of women's resources in a, in a company and like young females, like my friends and I, there's like a group of six of us who grew up at Under Armour together. And I mean, we, we started there in our young twenties, like I mean, there's definitely some things that we didn't know was right or wrong because like, this is the way we were raised. So when you yeah. know, Under Armour, it was like, you know, these older men who would make comments to us or I don't know, like some certain work trips, like ended up at some clubs that were not appropriate. And we just didn't yeah. know. We were just like, okay, the, well, this is, this is what's normal. Like we didn't know. And so I think us help. And it was like another thing, last thing was like competition. So sometimes you would see a lot of like female leaders compete against each other in the, in the boardroom. It's like, guys, like we're on the same team. Like let's help each other. And I feel like yeah, like my, my group of women at Under Armour, like we locked arms and would help each other internally, which felt really good. So I think yeah. that from a professional standpoint and then from a personal standpoint, you know, I think really losing my mom a couple of years ago and being honest about our relationship. It wasn't perfect um, mm-hmm. by any means. She, she was an alcoholic. She had a lot of struggles, but still like she was my mom at the end of the day. And we definitely had her highs and lows and how hard that was. And I, you know, when you look around, like everybody's posting these perfect pictures of, you know, their, their family, yeah. their moms, you know, they're with their moms, their moms are their best friends. My family was very different, but then like, then getting into this pregnancy thing was like, you know, we weren't really quote unquote trying, but I got pregnant in 2019. And you know, at the four month mark, we found out we had to terminate the pregnancy because the baby was not going to make it due to a chromosome issue and also neurologically. So you know, I was kind of the first one in our group to start having kids. And then like, next time I know it's like, we didn't get a baby, but everybody else is now having babies. And, you know, I'm now almost two years later and four losses later. And it's like, why, why has this never been talked about before? Like like we were talking in the beginning, it's just like, you know, nobody talks about like what things could affect your health and, and how it may not be the easy journey. And, what that means for you and what resources. And so when I'm going through this process, it's like, I have to, what I'm finding out is like, I have to advocate and in the traditional medicine too. It's like, you know, I have found acupuncture that's helped me tremendously. Therapy yeah. has helped me tremendously, like finding the resources that have helped me physically and mentally, because it is so draining. And, you know, I've had people along the way that have reached out to me to say, Hey, this worked for me or this. So I've just taken all those tips and tools from friends and strangers, honestly, yeah, and have shared publicly so I can help others along their journey because it is so hard. And yeah, it just, it, I never realized you don't realize until you go through it. And I, now I see, I'm like, Oh my God, like I had no idea. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing it because I know like there are these things that you don't, we kind of talked about it earlier. We don't talk about as women that we don't, it's like, as if having children, it's all going to be so easy and boom, it's going to happen. And, you know, you wrote right before the podcast, you kind of put in your notes that you're trying to keep it positive, but I can only imagine like, that's not always 
easy. And so you've said therapy and acupuncture and talking about it. Are there other ways that you have seen my voice is cracking, you know, because I think that finding, you know, finding the good in this of like growth or what, it, what has been something for you that's kind of shined through? Yeah, I would say the, the one thing I didn't realize, you know, with my husband and I, we've, we've always been close, but like going through something like this has totally strengthened our age and our relationship to a whole nother level that I yeah. just never knew that could exist. And I'm so grateful for it. I would say that that's probably one of the biggest things. The second thing is just, you know, being able to help others along the way, even though like sometimes it, it is like that pit in the stomach where you're just like, what I turn on social media and I see another pregnancy post or announcement. And I'm just like, it, it does feel like a punch in the gut sometimes. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if I can help others along the way that may be struggling, that, that gives me hope. And, 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 and I look back in my journey, I'm like, I know we will have a baby. Like I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I will have a, a child in my, in my arms one of these days. And when I look back to the journey of all things, like when I've ever had a challenge or things have come in this barrier, like things have always worked out on the other side. And I, I truly believe that, even though how hard it can be, it's, it's, it's not fair by any means, but it's just like, you know, this is part of my path. And so if I could ever to, you know, help others along the way and be a voice and advocate that that gives doing that for others gives me strength and, and knowing that I can help. Yeah. Cause I think I've had friends that have had similar and it's, they suffer in silence and it's no one should suffer in silence. There are always are people around you that can like listen and they may not know. I know I don't always have the right things to say, but I can listen and I can be there and I can, I think sometimes we, I hope people realize that listening can be just as powerful as saying that one thing that they need to hear, you know? Yeah. You seem like throughout your story, you continue to make the choice to find a community, to be a part of a team, to engage others, a part of your journey, to share your story. You know, what would be one thing you'd love to tell your younger self you know, maybe it was that last little nugget that you share. What would you want to tell your younger self about who you are today? Because you are a pretty amazing person. And I am just grateful thank you've you. been able to, to be on the podcast today. No, thank you. Yeah. I, I would just say, you know, like I said, I think just knowing that you will make it on the other side and, yeah. and how hard it can be some days you have to feel it. I think that was a big thing for me in the longest time I would resist, you know, the feelings because as a kid, like, I was always, you know, my aunt worked a lot. I was kind of by myself and I just always had to like shove it down and keep moving forward. We're coming into this journey. Like you can't do that at all because you, you will explode. You will just lose it a little bit and you have to feel it, you know, to, yeah. to process it. And so like processing whatever you're going through and knowing that you have people around you is definitely going to help you get to that other side. I think it was Glennon Doyle and her book on team where, you know, she's like, when you hit the, the, the lowest, I'm totally chopping this up. It's just knowing like it could only get higher from here. Yeah. And like, literally I go through that motion. I think about that quote from her. I'm like, well, we can only get higher from here. So that's where we're at. Like, and, um, yeah, I just, something that keeps in mind and, and, and to know that. So, yeah. Well, I have so appreciated just you sharing your light today. It is, I am deeply touched. I'm trying not to cry. Everyone who knows me knows that I am a very 
I love crying because I think it's healthy. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up today? No, I just, you know, I, I think for your listeners and especially your female listeners, just knowing that they're not alone and whatever the, yeah. the process may be to reach out. They don't have to sit in silence. I know it's not easy for everybody. And it's so hard right now with social media, like yeah. take the breaks for you. Like there's moments where I've gone totally silent on social just because I am like, I, I just can't open the app. I, like I just can't see it. And you just never know what others are going through because of social. And so just, you know, find people that you can resonate with to talk to and, and just lean on that. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. I'm thank you. I said at the outset of the podcast, how inspiring and how honest Jamie is, but what struck me the most is that in our short time together, I felt fully myself too. I hope you leave feeling full, fully yourself, feeling dedicated to listening to that voice in your head asking you to take the leap. Thank you again for joining another episode of the Your Good News podcast. Please subscribe, like, review, and join me again next week for another episode.